0: Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of We Got Porn and Scott, We got it's porn. the pornies. It's the Pornies. We've come back to the Pornies one more time. You Aren't you said, excited?
0: You changed the name of our entire show to We Got Porn. <laughs> Did
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> but every year, every year, we get to read together and study the Pornhub year in review. And this year, guys, I want you to, to think about how is it that your grandma could be a search term on Pornhub? Or... Why bigger and more colorful is always better when it comes to porn. We're going to talk about that in this episode and a ton more. But, Scott, I know every time that that uh, report drops, you get really excited because you're a data guy. You're geeking out on all the different analytics and different things that are going on in this Pornhub Year in Review. And I'm really grateful, frankly, while I am not a big fan of Pornhub. Uh, I'm grateful that they put out their data because it helps us understand and get more insight and get curious about what people are really looking for in their brokenness. So when you read this report, when you think about this, what are you hearing? Um, You know, it's
0: so I look forward to this every year because it's such an interesting way to do kind of research rather than doing focus groups and you know, uh, the way sex it's research awkward. has typically been done,
1: focus groups. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: think about how, yeah. how and this is the point they make in a billion wicked thoughts. The way sex research has typically been done in the past is it's done at the graduate level, you know, grad school. Yeah. And you, you've got grad students that are out there recruiting uh, horny 18 to 23 year old undergrads. Great (laughs) demographic. yeah, Yeah. They're your sample size. And then you project that to the average population. On top of that, they found that people that like to sit down with grad students and answer questions about how much anal sex they had last
1: week are just weird. Like, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so they're they're not a slice of of uh, culture at the moment for sure. No.
0: And so the premise of that whole book was, well, we've got all this Internet data. We can start to look at what people are really looking at, which was really fascinating to me. And and Pornhub puts this out every year in their annual, you know, the hornies. We could call them the hornies. hornies, but it's what people are consuming it's what they're searching for. And it's what they're viewing. So it's always interesting to kind of dig into this.
1: Um, I don't know. Were there any surprises for you this year? Yeah. I mean, for me, the mature stuff was like out of the blue. I mean, wh- where is it that people are looking? And and I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that you would be objectifying grandparents. But yep. that's that was one of the top things that came up is is the growth of GILF and um which Dil- is. Or grandma or grandpa. I'd like to F. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you got, you know, the of course milfs that we've talked about. And, you know, that's no surprise. I think with the that's the next step when it comes to to family incest, uh, step parent, step mom, step dad uh, kind of porn is that people are looking for novelty. But the fact that you go to your grandparents and it's like, I'm like, you know, usually the body type on a grandparent is not the body type that you typically think of when you think about porn. But I guess the novelty is the curiosity about that's out there. Yeah. And I
0: think I've seen on some of those that some of the the older females or males that are being portrayed in that are like, you know, they're they're good looking. They're just they've got that maturity. and Yeah. Better, better than your average. for Sure gilf yeah it's like um <laughs> yeah. if, it's like if you took linda carter from the wonder woman you know days
1: um, sure. and and she was or like helen Mirren, who's still smoking hot at 70 yeah, something there, years old there's a great example right yeah. so um but it
0: is it was curious to me that it's going a lot older than you would think. like i can see milf i can see gilf dilf but or you know when it when it's in grandmas and
1: grandpas that seems a little strange To me. So not to shame that, let's get curious. What what in the world could be causing someone to objectify an older person like that? Um I I frankly don't know. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, my gut instinct tells me that it's a looking a, a desire for legacy and nurture. Is that there is somebody in my life that's different than just the obsessive in the moment uh very narcissistic social media culture that we have i mean you got a lot of people who are looking for some wisdom and you got a lot of people who are looking to be nurtured and cared for in a way that they don't seem like they can find and maybe you know mom is traumatizing you know my, my mom hasn't been there for me but my grandma was i mean anything that we're looking to repeat. In our arousal template, maybe, hey, grandma was kind to me, and so I take that and I sexualize that and I objectify that. And I don't want to objectify my grandma because I love I love Nana, I love Mama. I don't want to I don't want to uh, see them as a sexual object. But what if you know, in the searching online, I just happen to click on an, a little bit older woman, maybe someone in her 40s or 50s or even 60s, and it's just this novelty of. I can be sexual, I can be aroused, I can have an orgasm with this kind of image. I don't think anybody's going out and parading it around and say, yeah, gilf is the next, you know, that's, that's the next big thing, but it's happening in the culture. And I think that's why we pull these reports is because we don't want to look at what people are putting out front as what's the ideal. We want to look at what's really happening behind closed doors in the privacy of someone's uh, secret space and These are things that are going on in our culture. So we got to get curious about it and wonder, are we really looking for a deep human connection that only a grandmotherly, grandfatherly person can provide? Yeah, I'd like
0: to see the deep dive on the data. And I don't think they published it in this report on what percentage of different age categories or age cohorts are watching older, mature porn. Um, And just anecdotally, I've heard a lot of stories about People, older adults are kind of getting hooked on porn now. And okay, talking, so maybe it's a peer to
1: peer arousal
0: yeah, thing. So yeah, so you get a guy who's 80 years old, maybe his wife has passed away and he's, you know, turned to porn and that's where he's finding yeah. his connection and comfort. So that might be driving some of that. I, I suspect that it probably is. But now that you've mentioned this, um, this dynamic of wanting nurture and everything, I think one of the factors in the culture that we're dealing with is. People feel very disenfranchised and dis- disconnected from their family system in general, right? So there's there's a lot of people that have been raised in single-parent homes. They move away from their family of origin. And there's not a lot, you know, w- we move away. We don't have a lot of family connections in the United States. And so that uh, searching for kind of the grandma or grandpa figure in a sexual way might be indicating the degree of kind of heartache I'm having around not having a s- a secure, stable family environment. So we tend to take our sexuality to those areas where we feel a lot of pain and heartache in our lives. So that makes, that makes sense to me. Um, and there was another thought I had about this. Um, I, I also think that one of the elements that might be playing into this is so many guys that I talk to will tell you that their relationship with their grandma was the most nurturing female relationship that they had. So we've kind of grown up in a time where the the mother-child relationship got really frayed by factors in the culture, mom going back to work. Most households have two income household working parents now. So you've got a lot of latchkey kids. And maybe grandma was where you got dropped off. Maybe grandma was who was your caregiver. And so that seems to be an area where you would take your arousal as well, because that's where you felt comforted and connected.
1: So even as you say that, I'm just thinking again about the human element in porn, and I'm thinking about the desire to connect with a nurturing relationship, but also the aspect of maybe porn users are getting older. And, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of young folks out there, but there may be. A generation of men and maybe women, but probably men who are just still hooked on porn into their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And so they've never really grown past that coping behavior. And so while they may put in guilt because they're looking for older people, they're really just looking for people that are their age that they can connect with, you know. And so I think that there's this there's this oh, across-the-board human element of a desire to be nurtured, cared for, seen, known, attuned to, uh, and that the substitute for that in the porn world is trying to find people who can be with me and maybe maybe have a realistic shot at that. I mean, because, you know, you think about porn stars. Uh, first of all, they're broken as shit. I mean, it's just if you if you've ever watched any documentary about people who get into porn, it's because they've been abused. And and they've you know and they feel like their bodies are the only tool they can offer the world and it's so sad I'm, I agree with it. But, and there's a very short
0: shelf life on their sex appeal, right? In in yeah. terms of their. But age. the
1: only way to get 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 with a porn star is to have a, a lot of money, and you might get a night out of it, maybe. And so, if you're objectifying this ideal, beautiful woman, it almost increases your shame versus when you're objectifying someone who's just ordinary or maybe a little older or maybe a little little um, more normal, quote-unquote normal. We know no- normal is a setting on the dishwasher, uh, not a reality. It's just what we've experienced. Uh, and so there's there's this idea of I can maybe be with this person in real life. It, maybe there's more hope in this arousal template than in some other more distant, foreign, fantastical arousal templates.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the other things that surprised me in the report was the degree, again, of kind of child-oriented animated pornography. So you've got hentai is the number one category, most searched for term in the world on Pornhub. But then shortly down from that, ranking number 11 is animated. And then you go down even further, 24 is cosplay. So there's a lot of these and you start looking at kind of I, I'm not we're not going to cover a lot of the platform data. Like who what are people watching this on? But there are a lot of guys that are watching it on PlayStations and Xboxes. And there's a lot of searches for animated characters in video games in pornography, too, because they're producing porn around video game characters and cartoon characters and superheroes and all that. And so to me, this is very sexualized, you you know, young young teenage, maybe even eight, nine, 10 year old kids that are, that are actually somehow getting access to this content and it's created and and produced directed at them. So that's a little uh, interesting.
1: Well, and you got to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode, that this is bigger and more colorful is always better, whether it's bigger uh, body parts. I mean, one of the big trends this year was, you know, big penises, big butts, big boobs. I mean, that's that's up. And also the ethnic categories, the color categories are are way up. And it seems like when you, you know, when you get to the ethnicities of human beings, there's only so many colors, then you can go into the fantastical world of, of cartoons. You can create, you know, green alien sex objects. You can create these muscular women that don't exist. You can create these Uh, you know, transsexual male-female merges. And those kind of pictures are are novel. I mean, again, I want to just be very clear when we're talking about novelty. This is one of the basic human needs. We need to see something new or we get bored. We get stuck in the ritual of life. And so to see a brand new thing. So I've been playing a video game. And now uh, I get to take that video game imagery and make it arousing, make it make it pornifying. That's, that's the great next step. So what else? What other characters can I see? What, what other uh, cartoons can I create sexual um, images of and, and consume that? And so again, and we're gonna get to this in our next episode, uh, it's not just consuming it, it's being able to take, the the stuff that's already out there and make porn out of it yeah and i think animated does combine
0: that category of novelty with the kind of sexual fluidity category because in hentai you have a lot of transsexual characters so you'll have girls that are you know wearing teenage looking girls with big eyes and then they've got penises the size of your forearm so it's it's kind of blending those categories. And then you've got, of course, the visual cues, sexual interests of big breasts, big penis, all that stuff too. So um, it's a real hook for children because if they're not exposed to sexuality and this becomes their first exposure, that's really taking a medium that they're used to using and sexualizing it. And it's extremely, it's going to be extremely enticing and arousing and novel for, for young people. So- that was interesting.
1: So, um, so, 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 in all that, Scott, you know, what is it that really attracts people over? I mean, because it seems like this bigger is better, and more colorful, and more more variety is better. Always seems to be at the top of the list. There's every year you come out; it's, it's a different flavor of it every year. Maybe it's you know, uh, maybe it's big boobs one year, or maybe it's the animated stuff one year. Uh, but when you get to this. Why is it that we as human beings are always chasing the novelty, chasing the, the other, the, the fantastic?
0: Well, novelty is how neuroplasticity in the brain is generated, right? You, you, you create new neurons by exposing yourself to novel material, novel content of any okay, kind. So,
1: so break that down for me, because you said neuroplasticity, which, you know, just really went into my... Uh, I, I did try to take human physiology in college and failed miserably, So when you're talking about neuroplasticity, what exactly does that mean in the everyday experience of my life? It's
0: your ability to uh, change, your ability to actually create fundamental change in the way you think and the way you behave. So that's called neuroplasticity because it refers to the brain's ability to be plastic or changeable over time. And we now know that neuroplasticity exists for everybody throughout their life. They used to think, well, when you get to be 25, you pretty much reach the end of your brain development and you're just kind of fixed and stuck as you are. But that is not true. Now, you you can have a lot of neuroplasticity as a child and while your brain is developing because you have lots of neural connections. You have lots of brain cells, neurons, that connect with other neurons. And there are literally over hundreds of billions of neural connections that are available before you're 25. After 25, those start to be pruned back and you basically can create new neurons, but they grow very slowly. I think the rate is about five millimeters a day. But the thing that generates change in our neurons and the neural connections, the way those neurons hook together in networks, is learning new stuff, doing new
1: things. Okay. And... so. Let me differentiate. Is it learning new stuff or having new experiences or both? It can it can be both. Like,
0: And I just saw something yesterday that's really fascinating. They took a bunch of weightlifters and they had them imagine lifting weights for two weeks and their muscles increased by 13% just from visualizing themselves lifting the weights. That's how powerful neuroplasticity is. It can actually affect the brain affects the body when you pay attention to what's going on in the brain. Um, It it works the other way, too. It's by um, exposing yourself to novel visual content, novel experiences, and those are highly imprinting. So that's why hentai porn, for example, is, is very impressionable on young minds. We've talked about impressionable young minds. It's literally creating neural networks in their minds to expect sexuality to function in this particular way, in these particular settings, with these particular body parts and sex acts. So you create that by having new experiences, but seeing new things, you know, smelling new smells, tasting new tastes, all those things that go into sexuality as well.
1: Well, it sounds like it's it's that um, that novelty itself is an invitation into life. It's like there, there's something out there that I do not know, I have not seen, I have not felt. And so when you're talking about the neuroplasticity growth of, a novel experience, whether it's something I haven't seen before or something I haven't felt before in my body or a a new idea that comes into my mind. It's this, okay, there's, there's this life, there's this hope, there's this feeling of, of vitality and richness that's right at my fingertips. And, and, and we know this to be true from just addiction, addiction science, which is the first time you experience something is always the best time. Everything else after that is, is a diminishing level of return.
0: Yeah and here's but here's the problem with that whole plan is it is artificial and it's temporary and it actually increases your sense of isolation and disconnection over time because you start to feel a lot of shame and and what does shame need to thrive in our lives it needs isolation judgment criticism and just this uh com- what's the other thing that Brene Brown says shame needs uh, three things to thrive in our lives, isolation, judgment. So that, that solution of the escape, it's always temporary. It's always more anxiety inducing because it's always more isolating and more shame inducing. So, um, you know, this is a real call for, for people to kind of think about and be curious about what is it that I'm in these particular genres that I'm drawn to what is it that's speaking to my heart about the desires and the longings of my heart that either didn't get met growing up or they're not being met today. It's coming from one of two places and it's probably both to be honest with you. So what is going on in my life right now? That's triggering things from my stories growing up that leads me to take them to these fantasy virtual ways of temporary connection and comfort and care um, that's the thing to be curious about. So,
1: yeah. And and I would, I would say that the more, um, technological we become more dependent, we are on technology, the, and the less human experience that we have in our day to day, the more stressful it is because we were designed to be interpersonal. That's the way our brains work. That's the way our, um, Emotions are calmed. I mean, when I'm with other people who can see me and hold what I've got and not freak out, I don't freak out. But when I'm by myself, when I'm with an endless scroll of social media, when I'm stuck in a cubicle, when I'm on Zoom, and and again, we love Zoom, but when it comes to just doing your work and never really being in physical proximity with another person, I'm just on a Zoom call all day long, it can be extremely stressful. And so we have, and I would say that's even more powerful than the political environment or the, or the social environment, that the culture itself is increasingly emotionally and relationally disconnected. And so the solution for that is, I'm just going to get online and I'm going to, and you said the magic word, I'm going to escape. I'm going to escape because I don't know how to find rest. I'm going to escape because I don't know where to calm my soul and my heart and my mind And so I'd love to just, you know, crawl up in the laugh of grandma sexually, which seems like if you were to say that 50 years ago, people would look at you like you had six heads. You want to have sex with your grandma? Dude, that is just, what's wrong with you, man. But now, Hey, what else have I got? I mean, I, I, I might as well imagine this because it feels better than nothing.
0: That's right. That's right. And I, I, I think that point that you just made about this is enlivening, like you you think about what's going on in the world. Let's just talk about the cultural moment. We've got an election coming up this year. I think people are really stressed out about that. We've got all the uh, political strife that's going on in the world. I think people are stressed out about that. That's kind of leaking out. You've got all of these scenarios, more pandemic viruses and all of this type of unrest and uncertainty and people are clamoring for ways to find escape from their anxiety and the just the heaviness that that brings right into your body so i think these these porn escapes these fantastical escapes whether it's it's the fantasy of connecting sexually with an older person or a make believe creature or you know a bigger penis or a bigger butt or whatever it's giving me a way to feel alive in one sense, but also it helps me escape from all the pressures that are pushing down on me and making me very fearful and very anxious in the world. So,
1: but no, Scott shouldn't, shouldn't I just stop it? I mean, oh my gosh, this is really, let's really get serious here. I mean, why are we even looking at the Pornhub year in review? I mean, that's just such a waste of time. I mean, really, the issue is I just need to get a whole. I need to have more self-discipline. I need to. I need to no-fap it. I need to get into and just buckle down and be harder on myself and just really, really make this go away. Because if this, if if the, if I don't look at porn and I don't masturbate and I don't touch myself and I, I don't ever get anywhere near uh, someone that I'm attracted to, then then my life will be great and everything will just be solved automagically. I mean, why, why do I need to be curious about
0: this? Yeah, shit? what you just described for me made me exhausted just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is fundamentally why it doesn't work, right? It's a very cognitive, huh? I'm just going to muscle it up through my brain and willpower it, and that, methodology works for about as long as it can be sustained under pressure, which isn't very long and, uh, it collapses into chaos and you're back filling this hopeless cycle of, well, I've tried this and that didn't work. And I've tried that and that didn't work. And, you know, the only thing in my experience that's ever worked is starting to be curious about why, why does this turn me on so much? I'm curious about that. Like, where is this coming from in my story? And, and frankly, it's not just porn. It's like when I get really angry about something, Where's that anger coming about? My wife says something to me and I get really snippy, like, what's going on there? It's not really about that particular moment. And so this ability to kind of be curious about what it is that's uh, drawing us in. why, Why does Pornhub, why are all these categories rising in interest? What's going on here in other people's lives? How do I relate to this? I think it's an interesting question to ask yourself.
1: And, and I, would, I would stack on that because I think what I was describing, and I don't believe anything that I just said, I was being very t- tongue-in-cheek and saying that, is that's the way that a lot of people have been raised to deal with their pain. And instead of uh, getting curious, like you're saying, and offering kindness, and guys, when we talk about kindness, there is only one way to grow as a human being. Yeah, you can beat yourself up for a long time and maybe see some temporary gains. But the reality is in the long term, without kindness and without a sense of grace in your life, you receiving things you don't deserve and being able to be grateful for those things. That's why gratitude in research and in so many um, uh, spiritual traditions is so powerful is because it really comforts my soul in a way that porn does. Porn is a is a very weak imitation of kindness because it seems like these are things that can make me feel better. I mean, sexualizing my grandma is saying, you know, I want to be held and touched by something soft and good and and, and kind. And yeah, I want to get some dopamine release and have an orgasm around it. And that's going to that's going to make me feel better. But we know in our bodies and if you if you disagree with me, please send me an email, make a comment on this video. We know that trying harder does not work over time. Just like our friend Andy Colbert writes in her book, trying softer is the only recipe for growth long term. So you may be listening to this and you may have grown up in a pull yourself up by your bootstraps um, culture. You may have grown up in a try harder, be more disciplined culture. And listen, discipline has a place, but discipline has a place in a safe community, in a safe environment, not standalone. I mean, imagine if your life was just about getting it done all the time and never having a time to rest, you would be exhausted. And you would be depressed and disillusioned. And, and that's where many of us have been. So as we we get curious around these things, you know, I would just invite you, ask questions about what it is that you're looking for. What are you typing in the search bar? What are the things that turn you on? And And ask yourself, why is it that I continue to come back to these wells? These are my wells that work for me. What am I looking for? What do I really want? What's the story behind these searches and these desires? Where is it in my present day that I'm feeling like I don't have the kindness and care and presence and attunement that I need to be able to function as a human being? Well said. Well, I try. <laughs> so whenever, whenever we do this stuff, Scott, I mean, you know, we're, we're just trying to put a line in the water and and see what we can can catch because guys we don't have any answers you know we've got a lot of experience and we've walked our own journeys but the reality is we just want to be with you we hope you have been entertained a little bit you know uh if you want to go look up Pornhub year in review you can find it it is not a triggering website by the way now if you've got a filter if you've got shameware on your computer it's going to tag it I'm sorry it's just going to tag it so just FYI, um, I'm not asking you to do this, but it's it's interesting stuff. They're researching the things about humanity that we want to know, and we're sometimes too afraid to ask. And so. just,
0: just to highlight a point, Chris, that kind of you were going down this avenue, and I just want to make it really explicit: all of this knowledge, all this information we're sharing, it's not going to change a thing.
1: Not a thing. What we need, <laughs> we hope, in the last 30 minutes, you've had a different experience. Yeah.
0: And it's really that experience with other people is what changes us. That's how we got harmed in relationship with other people. This is what we're looking for when we go out to Pornhub and look at all these categories. We're looking for ways of connection, comfort, and care that we didn't get. We're doing it in an artificial, temporary way that makes us feel more shame and the only way to leave this ultimately is to be curious about what these searches are pointing back to in my life that needs comfort care and healing and to get that in the presence of other people i have to have corrective new experiences that give me comfort care and connection
1: which will grow my neuropathways to grow my new neural pathways and help me and and help me feel like i am good yep because the curse of humanity is shame, and the feeling that there's something wrong with me. And guys, we don't act out because we want to. We want to get high. We don't act out because it turns me on. We don't even act out because we, we, we want an orgasm. We act out because we think we deserve to feel like shit. Ultimately, at the at the end of the day, it's just reconfirming my inner belief of shame. So we invite you through this experience and many others to be kind to yourself, to be curious, and to keep listening in as we talk about all this sexual arousal stuff here on We Got Balls.
0: And you do too.
1: Take care, guys.
0: Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.